I want to talk about the Joseph journey. We talked about the Mary miracle last week. Today, the Joseph journey. And I'd like to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We've been listening to Scripture being read. I'd like you to read two verses out loud with me from Matthew chapter 1, which is where we first meet Joseph. And uh, let's read out, just read out a good, strong voice all together in unison. Verse 18 of Matthew 1. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And so begins the world-changing story of Christmas. Father, we welcome your presence, your heart-shaping work by your Spirit through your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, when we talked about Mary last week, we talked about promise coming full circle in spite of pain. Uh, this sermon, is not, this message is not going to be like that. It's just, if you like checklists, uh, if you think like an engineer, you might like this outline today. Now, my training was engineering. Someone once said to me, you preach like an engineer. And I did not take that as a compliment. <laughs> but this is going to be straightforward, one, two, three. Because I want us to think, we're right near the end of 2022. I, I want us to take one, two, three, three phases in Joseph's life. No circular stuff today. Just one, two, three, three phases of Joseph's life, which give us a grid by which we can answer, ask ourselves some important questions. I'm going to be putting in front of you three questions this morning from Joseph's life that I'd invite you to reflect on in your own life as you look back over 2022. So this past year, we're going to look at this past year as we look at Joseph's life. And the first question is, how has God been getting my attention? I imagine knowing him <laughs> and knowing our hearts and our tendency to drift and get distracted and have our affections get attached to all other kinds of things, uh, but, but Jesus and his life I imagine God in all of our lives has been trying to get our attention this past year in some way. And, and one of the ways is the way he got a hold of Joseph's life. And that's, that's through life circumstances, life circumstances. And some of them just come out of the blue. Let, let's read it again. This is how, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still in a virgin, still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. For Joseph, this came absolutely out of the blue. There was no forewarning. He was living in a little no-name town of Nazareth with quite possibly more than, no more than 300 people in it. He was uh, probably an older teenager, uh, if this was according to the culture of that time in the ancient Near East 2,000 years ago. And Mary was probably a younger teenager. It was likely an arranged marriage by both of their parents. 
But it seemed like Joseph, from what we get here, it seems like Joseph liked Mary, and 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 uh, and and here is a young man. His future will probably be in Nazareth the rest of his life. He'll turn out to be a carpenter, and he's going to marry this this young lady, and hopefully have a family. So all all was going according to plan until all of a sudden he finds out that Mary. They're only engaged, they haven't been married yet, but Mary was pregnant, and he knew he had nothing to do with it. I mean, one day you're doing totally fine, and the next day your whole life's been rearranged. This is one way in which God gets our attention. He does get our attention in positive ways, by the way. Some of us look back this past year, uh, we had near misses in car accidents and realized, God protected me. He just got my attention and reminded me his eye is always on me. Some of you experienced a supernatural healing touch from the Lord this past year. Some of you at work have had favor, even though you've been working hard and you're talented, but you've had favor that your hard work and talent can't seem to account for. And it's God reminding you. It's God getting your attention and saying, you ultimately do all this for me and I'm with you. And that means something. But sometimes God gets our attention through, through, through stuff that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, the news that, that just changes the next few months or the next few years in our lives comes to us. And uh, it, it gets confusing. And we, we start going, God, what are you doing? I'm just convinced that God is, when he allows things to happen in the category of life circumstances... I'm just convinced he, he's always looking for a way to reintroduce himself to us. Our, our tendency is to coast. Even those of us who try to walk with Jesus, our tendency is to coast. And we don't go deeper until we face, face places in which we need God in ways we haven't needed him before. And sometimes he uses our pain to make us desperate for him. Sometimes he uses favor on our lives just to overwhelm us with what we sang about this morning. He's so good. But God is constantly looking for places to reintroduce himself to us so that we know him better and we go deeper. We don't stay in a, a state of spiritual shallowness. And, and, and when life circumstances, however, like for Joseph, cause panic, Joseph doesn't know what to do. Back then, engagement meant you weren't married yet, kind of like today, but, but it was so serious, it was such a commitment engagement that you actually had to divorce the person in order to break the engagement back then. And, and so, Joseph knows that Mary's reputation is going to be soiled. They're, they're going to look at her as a prostitute for the rest of the, her life. And he doesn't want to shame her. He knows he's got to divorce her. But, but he's concerned about her, and he, he's just scrambling. He's trying to put the pieces together, like, like happens when stuff just comes out of nothing for us. And all of a sudden, there is this medical diagnosis, or there's this job loss, or in his case, this news about the lady he's engaged to marry that's going to change everything. And, and, and we, we often ask the question, why, God? And sometimes the Lord answers this why, but I'm so grateful that God, God does often follow through on life circumstances to actually talk to us. 
It's not just the life circumstances. It's God's voice, God's voice to us that can speak to us. And at this time, God speaks to Joseph in a dream uh, as an angel appeared to him. Verse 20, and as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Let's just time out right there for a moment. Now, this isn't always how God talks to us. I've lived quite a few years so far. And I could say, I believe the Lord spoke to me twice in my life through a dream. Maybe three times. Maybe three times. And it was very poignant. It was very personal. And it was very real. But um, I usually don't have God speak to me in dreams. I have regularly two other kinds of dreams. I have what I call preacher nightmares and traveler nightmares, because I travel a lot too. My preacher nightmares, I will dream I'm sitting right down there in, in some auditorium, and I'm being introduced as a speaker for some big conference, and I get up there, and as I come behind the podium, it suddenly dawns on me that I completely forgotten I was supposed to speak at this, and I had not prepared anything. It's not even the fear of public speaking. It's the fear of getting up there and having no clue what to say next. That's a preacher nightmare. Or I have traveling nightmares. I, I have these regularly, these dreams that I'm in another country. I do go overseas four or five times a year, and I'm in another country, and I know my plane is leaving to come back to the States later that night. But it's the morning, and for the life of me, I can't remember what time my plane's leaving, and I can't figure out how to find out. Or... Or I'm in a hotel room, and for the life, I know my plane's leaving, for the life of me, I can't seem to get my suitcase packed. Or I get in a taxi, and for the life of me, we can't get through the traffic. And you know what? The dream always ends before I miss the plane, but I know what's coming, right? That's why it's a nightmare. And so we, we kind of resolve, I guess, our anxieties sometimes when we, when we dream. But there are times in Scripture... I think I know of two to three times in my own life where God's spoken to me in a dream. This is what happens to Joseph. God's going to get perspective, give perspective on this attention. Like God's getting Joseph's attention about something. And he's going to now fill in some of the blanks. And so as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I know you had nothing to do with this, but it was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus in the Greek, Joshua in the Hebrew, it means God is our Savior. God was saying, I am on a rescue mission to this world that I love but is extremely broken. I'm on a rescue mission. I'm going to send my son Jesus. He doesn't fill in all the details here, but we know the rest of that story. Jesus will hang on a cross. Jesus will take the sin and evil of the world on himself. Jesus will taste the very depths of bitter pain and suffering that so many in our world experience. And Jesus will die in our place, and he'll rise again, and he'll say, I've paid everything you need to come to me for your healing and for your forgiveness, and you can have a relationship with your creator again. This is God on a saving mission. He doesn't give all that detail to Joseph. He just wraps it up in one name, Jesus. 
You'll call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He represents the rescue mission that I am starting. And so sometimes God gets our attention through life circumstances Sometimes he gets his attention as he speaks to us. Let me just say one more thing about God's voice. We grow in understanding God's voice. And, and our culture says, if you think you hear God's voice, we probably need to lock you up in a mental asylum. Except that's not true. You can be very emotionally and mentally healthy. And yet it's possible for God to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. After all, we believe he's real, we believe he's personal, and we believe his spirit is living within us if we say yes to Jesus. And God does speak to us sometimes. I've, I've experienced it at times. At times, I've wondered if I experienced it. Sometimes it's hard to discern, was, God, was that you speaking to me or is that just me? I found when it's just me, it tends to be an impatient kind of voice because I'm just can be selfish left to myself. I want it and I want it now. Uh, sometimes there are demonic spirits. It's a very active spiritual realm and demonic spirits influence our minds. And I find if it's a, if it's a lie from the enemy, if it's a demonic kind of thing, it's very pushy. It feels very, very um, uh, like, like sandpaper against my spirit. It, it just... It's irritating, but it's very pushy and demanding. I find that the voice of the Holy Spirit, God's voice, when he does speak to me, is, is often not the loudest voice I hear. It's not like I hear voices all the time, but, but it's, 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 sometimes we call it the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. What I do find is very consistent. On days when I feel good, I sense the same thing that God's speaking to me. On days where my mood is not so good, I still the same thing. It's not dependent on my mood on a given day. That's why major decisions, I try to give them some time so that, so that I, I can listen for that voice that doesn't change with my moods, that doesn't change with my circumstances. God wants to speak to us. God wants to tune all of our ears as we live close to him, as we meditate on his word, to his voice. And uh, I just believe that without being crazy people, it is quite possible for the creator of the universe to talk to us and to make things real to us and to guide us. So, um, so how's God been talking to you? Maybe it's through life circumstances this year. He's just been trying to remind you how good he is. Or he's trying to get your attention about something coming. And that kind of leads to the next phase in Joseph's life. Because after Jesus is born, then Joseph starts experiencing warnings from God. Warnings. And, and the first question is, what's God been doing in 2022 to get, to get our attention? Uh, to keep us from drifting spiritually. Then the second question is, um, you know, have you been noticing this past year in your life any warning signs? Warning signs. Here's how Joseph experienced it. It's now Matthew chapter 2. We were just in chapter 1. Jesus has now been born. Remember the wise men? The wise men came. The shepherds visited first. Then the wise men came. Verse 13 of Matthew 2. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee from Egypt. With the child and his mother. 
the angel said. So there's a certain urgency, like, you've got to do this now, Joseph. Stay there until I tell you to return. Why? And he warns him, Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So this is a warning. Then after, in verse 22, he gets warned a second time. So he goes to Egypt, and then he gets the green light to go back to Israel after Herod dies. But there's another warning. Where he went back to Israel, we're not told exactly where, the baby's life would still be in danger, the child's life. And so verse 22, then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee where Nazareth was. And that's where Jesus grows up. So he's warned again. There's that word, after being warned in a dream. Seems like that's how God liked to talk to Joseph in dreams. But however he warns us, he warns us. Now sometimes he warns us about things to come so that we're ready. And I just, I just believe as we walk with the Lord, this is partly how God works in our lives. I distinctly remember being an engineering student at the University of Minnesota. I was walking across a parking lot, totally minding my own business, not even thinking about this. And all of a sudden, this would be sometimes how I sense God speak to me. I didn't hear anything out loud, but all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with the thought. It's like a premonition. It, and it was overwhelming out of the blue without doing anything to conjure it up. I was overwhelmed with the thought. Here, here's what I sense. I felt like God said to me, Jim, uh, there is an area in your leadership. And I was just a young guy, you know, 22 years old. And I, I, I not, this is the first thing I ever led. I was leading this overgrown Bible study and, and on campus. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I am going to test you in an area of your leadership that I've never tested your character before. It's coming up. And then that's all I sensed. And... Don't you hate it when God just, I mean, not hate it, but isn't it frustrating when God puts a period and doesn't complete the paragraph? But uh, I just had this overwhelming sense that something was going to happen. Sure enough, about two and a half weeks later, uh, something happened. It had to do with a conflict with, with some people and how it affected me. And, and I, I was so grateful that I'd had a warning that, that it wasn't, because otherwise you kind of cave in in yourself and go, what's going on? And what's wrong with me? But the Lord had kind of just warned me. He just gave me a heads up that something's coming. And this is what he does for Joseph. And it could be this past year that the Lord's just been giving you a heads up on something that might yet to come. I'll talk about this, more about this in my online message January 1st, three weeks from today. But I do have a better feeling about 2023 than I did about 2022, thank God. I felt real warnings in my spirit about 2022. It's been a horrible year in our world. But I'm, I'm more hopeful. But still, it could be in your life that God's warning you, that God's just saying, be careful. Or, um, sometimes just be careful about that person. You're going to have a decision to make. Don't make it too quickly. I mean, I just believe that God can help us with some of these things. Or the warning may be very personally confrontive. It may be God pointing into your heart, into secret places, and saying, unless you deal with this, you're going to, have, you're going to be in big trouble. I mean, you are making some choices that will really hurt other people 
or ruin your life. I just believe God loves us enough. Sometimes we call this conviction, like personal conviction. This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is where we make certain choices and we know deep in our hearts this is wrong. We feel uncomfortable about it. It is possible to make the wrong decisions over and over until we don't feel that conviction anymore. The Bible talks about us having our consciences seared. Our conscience is like an alarm system. Like when you do something, it warns you, no, it's like spiritual pain. It's like, no, you shouldn't do that. And, and so we feel troubled in our heart, you know, we, we did that, we, we did that to another person, and, and now we feel trouble in our heart because we knew it wasn't right. That's your conscience. You can so violate your conscience that you don't feel anything when you do wrong things anymore. But maybe when you come into a worship service like this, where the presence of God can be very intense, you feel uncomfortable in a, in a worship setting because you know your heart isn't right with Jesus. And you know there are things that you're choosing outside of his will. And that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I have a book on my shelf. It says, it says before, he, uh, before truth can set you free, it will make you miserable. And, and God wants to set you free, but it may mean he needs to convict your heart and make you uncomfortable about stuff that's not right. That's personal conviction. Or it may be people's concerns around you, the concerns people have around you. Now, it, this is not just something someone who doesn't like you says about you once in a while. This is the people who love you, the people who are close to you. What have they been saying to you this past year, like over and over again? Like my wife Sandy, what's she been saying to me? Like maybe not every day, but every few weeks she says the same. Jim, you've got to watch out for that. And she said it now five times this last year to me. Or, or my closest group of friends, those who know me most, what are they, what do they keep saying? And I keep denying it. I keep, no, it's their fault, not my fault. But when you see and hear the same people who care about you saying the same things over and over. God is using that to help you get over your denial and to face something toxic is really happening inside of me. Thank God for people who love you enough to sit you down and look you in the eye and not yell at you, but quietly tell you the truth. Where, where it sometimes takes a lot of courage. And they don't know what you're going to do back to them. If you tell them. But they're doing it because they want to warn you. There are things you're living in denial about. There are choices you're making. They're affecting other people. You're pretending they don't. You've got sin in your life. You're drifting spiritually. And the other members of your small group, they, they want to warn you. They want to make sure, you know, we see you drifting. What's going on in your life? I've had those conversations with people. You know, you don't seem yourself anymore. Like, what's going on? And, and we just want to get angry at them and push them away. But this is God doing the same kind of thing he did with Joseph. It's warning him, warning him about the dangers that are lurking. And especially some of you maybe are in church mainly because it's Christmas season. And let me just say religious activity. I'm not talking about that. Uh, you, you, you can do all the external religious stuff and still live in denial about what's happening in your heart. That's why um, Eugene Peterson, in only the way he can put it, writes in the Jesus way. I put, I'll put this on the screen. Being religious does not translate across the board into being good or trustworthy. 
In fact, religion is one of the best covers for sin of almost all kinds. Pride, anger, lust, greed are vermin that flourish under the floorboards of religion. And those of us who are identified with institutions or vocations in religion, like all of us, can't be too vigilant. The devil does some of his best work behind stained glass. It's not I go to church. It's not I watch online. It's not, it's not I gave some money in the offering. It's not I enjoy candles. It's not I like Christmas carols. All that is superficial. Jesus wants to, wants to step in to the core of who you are and forgive you and transform you. And sometimes external religious activity is the default position we go to to avoid the warnings of God's Holy Spirit deep in our lives. So um, how's God been getting my attention this past year? And um, have there been any warning signs as we close? Here's the last question. Now, what is the Lord, what has the Lord been asking me to do next? If you actually follow Jesus, not think about Jesus, but actually follow Jesus, if he has saved you, if he has come in and forgiven your spirit, your, your sin and given you his spirit, um, you're actually following him. You're supposed to follow him, which means to obey him. And in his strength, as you're transformed, uh, there, there, there are actually things God's going to be asking you to do. We call this specific obedience, specific obedience. For Joseph, it looked like this, like back to Matthew 1, 24. After the angel appears in the dream the first time and says, you're going to have a son, name him Jesus. It says, when, Jesus, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. Jesus hadn't been born yet, but he obeyed. What the, even though his reputation would be smeared as a result of doing this, even though all the unknowns, all the unanswered questions, Joseph did what the Lord asked. And in Matthew 2, 19, after Herod died, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So there it is again. He got up and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. So what might the Lord be asking you to do next? I'm convinced there's a, there's a few of you that probably the Lord's asking you to finish your education because he's got his hand on your life and he's trying to position you for where he can use you. And you need, you just need to stop putting it off. You need to finish your education. There's probably a couple of you that need to write a book. God's been prodding you. He's been working on your heart. And you got lots of excuses not to do it, including being too busy. But you just need to do it. Some of you need to say yes to a position of leadership. You need to lead a small group. Well, I like my small group. I don't want to leave it. No, there's too many other people who need your influence in ministry. You just need to lead a small group. You just need to say yes to this. Some of you need to befriend a non-Christian and love on people who are very unlike you and lead them to Christ. Some of you need to work on your marriage. Maybe, maybe we've been neglectful of some things and there's some stuff going on under the surface and, and you need to be more intentional. You just can't be taking your spouse for granted. You've got to make some tangible investments. You need to be, some of you need to be giving more money away to, to the work of Christ. He's coming again. All of these things. 
You know, there's steps of obedience. They're just like Joseph took steps of obedience that uh, we need to take. And I, I just threw this one in to end it. You know what? It doesn't need to be heroic. Uh, some of it is, is the Lord just maybe saying, don't, don't quit now. Just stay faithful. We have in the vocational world in America what they call silent quitting, right? It's where people, they keep their jobs, but they don't work hard anymore. They just do barely enough to get their paycheck. You know what? Don't, don't silent quit. Give your best to your job. Give your best to your church. Give your best to seek serving the Lord and being hungry to be filled with His Spirit. And, and it's not superstar stuff. It's just being faithful. Look what it says, verse 23, at the end of the story about Joseph. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. I mean, Joseph has no clue he's going to live out an Old Testament prophecy. He just went to a little town, became a carpenter. It's the last thing, except for when Jesus was 12 years old, we hear from Joseph. And you know, in Joseph, he's just kind of the strong, silent kind, type. He, he doesn't ever say a word. He just is faithful. He just does. I mean, and he, he dies a carpenter a few years later. And, and, and in the end, he's living out a story that God is writing in the world just by saying Staying simply faithful, just simple faithfulness. This is where it is. So those, those are the three questions out of Joseph's life. I, I warned you, it would be one, two, three. <laughs> but I want to encourage you, if you have a little time over the next couple of weeks before Christmas, or maybe the week between Christmas and New Year's, before we embrace the new year, I want you to look back over this past year. What's God been doing to get your attention? And have you been noticing any warning signs in your life? And what about what's coming next? What has the Lord been nudging you to do next? As you look back over this past year, um, I think there's things the Lord wants to make real to us as we follow Him.